0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Anthropological, real-life applications for very anthropological theories. My name is David Moore. I am a Chicago-based bartender, founder of Spill, and it is crop top season, and that's what I'm wearing right now. Ooh,
1: abs. Crop top. Thank
0: you. Thank you so much. Hi
1: everyone. I'm Casera Hill, Chicago-based graphic designer, anthropological human being. And um, today I'm not wearing a crop top, but I will be because there's like a heat wave happening and it's hot, it's tornado-y. And uh, what better to wear in a tornado than a shirt that just easily blows right off. Now you're topless. Here we are.
0: Right, right, right. Enough about us. We are going to talk all about burnout today. Sounds relatable? I think so. We're gonna talk all about feeling drained in this industry, how we can feel sometimes just a wee bit exploited, but honestly, why we keep coming back to it and sort of that cycle. But before we dive into it, Kasira, I think you need to be breaking it down for us.
1: All right. So as much as I am a dork for some evolutionary theory, we're going to lean a little bit into the social psychologist, social anthropologist of it all. Burnout as a clinical term in the 1970s was coined by Herbert Freudenberger, uh, later developed by academic researcher and social psychologist Christina Maslick. Apologies if I'm mispronouncing. They coined the term burnout in a clinical sense, borrowing it from its colloquial or casual use to refer to those who did too many drugs and were burnouts. This was in the 1950s, 1960s. The earliest application in the 1970s studied and applied the term to those working in human services uh, departments like healthcare, social services, education, etc. This is where they started their research. They later developed, and I say they as in clinical psychologists, social psychologists, um, started developing it and looking at the youth in the workforce in the 1960s, a lot of which were working in human services departments in this era of the war on poverty, post-war 1960s, social services start expanding. The researchers that started studying those that were working in human services in a broad spectrum um, noticed that burnout was a expression of their frustrated idealism, increasing their disillusionment about what's possible and whether their work is making impact. So again, we're thinking about those working in social services, those working in the education department, law even as well, healthcare as well. The written studies on burnout expand on the term placing those who often work in a position that demands care, service, empathy, compassion, and the lack of reciprocity as fostering such a condition. So as much as my evolutionary theory brain wants to go and unpack, you know, what humans are evolutionarily set up for in terms of social demands, work demands, stress demands, etc., And look at how globalism and imperialism and colonialism and industrialization has kind of pushed us to a capacity of our social and our functioning, you know, capacity. We can look at that, we can unpack that. But We're kind of going to shift gears and lean a little bit more into the initial studies in identifying this mode that folks were working at a high demand, needing compassion and service for others in their workplace and how the lack of reciprocity really does feed into the state of being burnt out. So if we look at hospitality, although their initial studies worked with service workers, we can look at how hospitality um, fosters an environment of high demand of service, high demand of care, while also little to no responsibility of the patrons that are receiving that to reciprocate. When more contemporary anthropologists, psychologists, and academics look at burnout and expand on that theory a lot of the conversations have been around uncertainty and stress in life and obviously for humans a lot of stress and uncertainty gets really metaphysical for us and also um, manifests physically so contemporary researchers are looking at moments like right now where we have a lot of uncertainty but our need uh, to work at the same rate to make money and the stressors that are involved with that are kind of creating a new lens to look at burnout in. And I I would argue that the lens that we're able to apply and look at burnout in the hospitality is very similar to those initial studies, which I think is pretty cool. So I'm throwing that out there, a little bit to chew on, let's shift gears, and Kiki. Yeah,
0: well, that was nice. That I didn't understand a word you said. So why don't we take this into the modern day because anthropology is boring. (laughs) I'm kidding. There's
1: too much to unpack.
0: Oh, there's too much. But we're going to try to in about 25 minutes of this episode. (laughs) So we are talking about burnout or basically anything adjacent to that. And what I wanted to do in this episode is for you and I to be able to talk about our personal experiences with just feeling drained by this industry or the need to just check in with ourselves and pivot a little bit. So I kind of want to just pose the question to you and then I'll answer as well. But was there a moment in working in this industry where you felt like you needed to take a moment for yourself or you were like, I can't be working five nights a week at these bars anymore.
1: You know, it's interesting that you bring that up because I've never felt that way <laughs> and I've never experienced being tired and especially not after um, an 11 and a half hour shift.
0: I forget. Yeah, you, yeah, you've been totally fine this whole time.
1: I've been totally fine, cool, calm, and collected and I've never <laughs> been tired. No, but um, I, think, I think the first moment that I really did experience burnout wasn't necessarily from like, my day-to-day clock in clock out shifts yeah I felt pretty energized and I think that might be the Gemini in me but like interacting with people all day and being a server being a bartender was really energizing of course setting up or breaking down wasn't necessarily great but I always had my little shifty or something to kind of give me a little boost towards the end um I think the burnout came when I realized that there was so much more that I could be doing and creating in the industry Mm. and the room for me to do that wasn't necessarily allotted for me because I was working full-time at a bar like you know I I could have been an event coordinator but I was also literally coordinating a conference so it was at that moment or in those moments that I felt the most burnout was when I started to take my own kind of creative agency in what I was doing but still literally had to pay my
0: bills by going to work We were just talking about somebody off camera, but we're like, yeah, they're like not be able to pull their end of the weight in this like project of theirs or their business. Yeah, because they work full time in the industry in another capacity. And it's a little uh, unreasonable to expect people to be able to do everything all the time perfectly well without becoming exhausted or burned out.
1: Right. And I think um, I want to toss it back at you as someone that has done a lot of creative things (laughs) and has taken your skill as a bartender, your skill as an educator, your skill as a creator, um, and kind of activated those in a lot of different ways. Um, When was there kind of a moment where, or have you identified moments that were kind of like, oh, the industry isn't necessarily supportive of all of this, and I can tell because I'm burnt out.
0: No, they've always been so good to me. I don't have any (laughs) example of that whatsoever. Sarcasm
1: heavy today. (laughs) I feel
0: like, honestly, when I was at Cindy's, I was feeling all the momentum of what this industry can offer you if you're in a position that has a lot of clout or has a lot of PR around it. And I was, I just thought that that's what this industry was. And I especially thought once I was in that position, it just stays with you. And then when I left and wasn't in a like beverage buying or beverage directing position anymore, I like lost a lot of those contacts. They did not respond to my emails when I wanted to do things in the future. And honestly, during the pandemic, and I know that everybody had their own capacity for what they were able to do as brand ambassadors, and I had a little bit of grace for that. What I will not, what I'm still petty over, which I bring up to you all the time, is like the lack of just email response. Mm. If I'm, we started Spill Together, which is essentially just for the betterment of ideally like hospitality professionals getting to get out their thoughts and paying them and compensating them for that. When I can't even get an email response from a brand rep or an ambassador or like an industry friend who I have a connection with to like help out or promote it or support it or if they have a little extra dollars like to throw it this way, mm-hmm. um, that becomes frustrating because when it's something very like quote unquote industry related and it's like, hey, I have a paid gig at this bar, I need to buy bottles of liquor, they respond mm-hmm. within five minutes. So that's when I think I started realizing that I can't put so much energy in my own like thoughts and all my time into trying to like please everybody in this industry or like spending time into getting them to look at me in a certain way i'm like i'm just going to do it at my own pace and if they respond great um and if they don't i can't put any more weight on that or like energy into mm-hmm. thinking that that is like the most important part of the industry for me it's not yeah. anymore
1: i think it kind of speaks to when uh, if i can make this stretch let's see don't But do it. if i can make this stretch i think um when people get involved also is interesting to see because we work so hard and if we're having a conversation about burnout sometimes that burnout comes about when we don't see that support that we need or that recognition that we need but and we'll kind of expunge on this a little bit with our interviewee um is when people do come to support or when clout is involved um, or let's say awards are involved or accolades are involved, there's also a level of burnout um, that has to do with people being up your ass about what you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And being prepared for that. Like, okay, now I'm this hot bartender and I'm out here creating these cocktails and I've got three pieces out. I've got something about my beverage program or something like that. And now people want more insight from me um, about what I'm doing, and I'm just still out here busting my ass. Like yeah. I'm still clocking in, right. you know what I'm
0: saying? Yeah.
1: And and the kind of sensationalism that's put around those successes, whether that be in publications or whatever. Um, mostly driven by publications. But I feel like some of those successes and when they're amplified are almost right as or right before someone is getting really burnt out with the work that they're doing. Yeah. And maybe they push themselves finally to the edge or maybe this final accolade or mm. or this recognition is like their last moment of like, damn, okay, well, I got it. You know what yeah. I mean? I, I reached my goal or someone saw my work and I feel success from that. Yeah. Maybe I can take a step back now. It-
0: Final thoughts for me on this part would be just that burnout is sometimes temporary. It doesn't have to last forever. And the moments where I had the ability or the opportunity to just check in with myself and realize you're becoming that jaded bartender or hospitality person you don't want to be. I was able to take some time, whether it meant working somewhere else where I wasn't in a position of leadership or there wasn't a lot of focus on me, or I could just spend more time at home or working on my own creative projects and my freelance work. Those were the opportunities to, like, check in with myself and realize if I do dive back in, in a way where burnout can be very possible mm-hmm. again, I have a better, like, mental fortitude around myself to do it this time. So I'm trying to treat this episode as not like burnout means that we, like, leave the industry forever and that's, like, the subject matter. It's we need to find ways to check in with ourselves, take care of ourselves, and then ruin our lives again by diving right back in. <laughs> Why don't you say all these same things to our guest?
1: All right, Maria, thank you for joining us. Hi and welcome. We are so happy to have you. Um, Today, everyone, we've got Maria Russell joining us. They are a chef, uh, a content creator, and a self-care advocate. So thank you, Maria. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And it's she, she, her. I go for they when the default is unsure. So thank you. <laughs> you're like, ah. <laughs> yeah. Um, beautiful. Well, for those uh, in our audience and those listening that don't know who you are, I'd like to offer some space for you to introduce yourself, talk about who you are and what you do and um, kind of what you're up to now, which might be might be different from what you're doing from those who know you. Weird phrasing there.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I get I get what you mean. Um, so I am a chef. I've been uh, cooking since I was 15 or 16 years old. Um, and, you know, did the whole culinary school thing and um, just worked in restaurants for the past 15 years of my life. Um, and, you know, worked my way up and Sous chef and chef de cuisine, and um, the most recent restaurant job that I had—that um, is where I became the first Black woman to ever receive a Michelin star, um, or ever, you know, earn or you know, have the opportunity to be considered, you know, for Michelin. So, um, you know, before. Any of the accolades and anything um, came at Kamiko and Kiko. Um, that summer, my husband and I put in our one-year notice, and um, you know, then we got the star, and then the pandemic started, and we moved on. So now we we live in Hawaii, and um, yeah, I'm I'm now working on you know. Content creation and just kind of sharing a lot of the things that I know with whoever wants to know about it. Um, and we're we're working on, you know, transitioning into doing our own things um, and resting and like unlearning and learning new things and expanding. Um, while we 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 do those things, so taking a little break, but still moving
1: forward Mm -hmm. yeah -hmm. I want to unpack that a little bit because we've had conversations both David and I and in all the different (laughs) communities that we interact with you know especially our hospitality friends we've talked a lot about shifting and um, whether that be taking steps away from a role or taking steps away from an industry or just shifting sideways to you know (laughs) however sideways that is shifting to another space where you're taking your skills and you're using them in a different capacity, whether that be content creating, or a lot of our friends have stepped away from maybe bartending, but now they're making their own cocktails and they've got their business running. Um, I want to unpack that shift for you and what has kind of beyond the circumstances that we cannot control um, what has kind of prompted that. And maybe what are some of the beautiful things that have come to fruition from making that shift?
2: Um, So I was, you know, I was, feeling kind of like a, a
1: pull to be
2: able to, you know, see the world from a different angle, you know, different, different perspective. And as someone who became a woman in this industry, you know, I started as a kid and um, grew up in it and never really took Time out for myself to be like, oh, okay. Well, what do you va- Like, what are your values? You know, like what what are the things that you value? What What do you ultimately see yourself doing? Like, how do you, like can you see that? You know, what does that look like for you? Um, just sitting down and really having those conversations and figuring out like where I see myself, the things that I a hundred percent support and want to apply to the things that I'm doing, you know, like questions that will change your direction, you know. Um, so I, I just wanted to honor that for myself. I, I wanted to, you know, really take the time out to figure these things out um, because I was feeling that pull to do it for myself.
0: Yeah, I'm curious about how the element of like accolades and awards sort of intertwines into there, because I feel like so much in this industry is that is taught to us is that you're striving for a star, you're striving for the Jean Banchet, or you're striving for these things. And so you have this goal, which is, to me is there's validity in it because it does bring about opportunity and it does bring about also possibly more guests hearing about your space, which is, you know what we want to have in our spaces is more guests. But I'm curious about how, if that had any also influence on your time now, as far as like wanting to rest and sort of reassess what more goals of yours are, or have that not really had a place in it.
2: Yeah, I mean, not necessarily for me. I think that accolades are are good when, you know, they, you can you can kind of, use them as a reference for others like as a as a resume for yourself like okay well um this is something that will help people understand you know where i've been and what what environments i put myself in and um what my capabilities can possibly be Um, but for me i i never i was never chasing that aspect of it um, it was always more of being the best that I could for myself, and and the people around me, and the people coming to eat, and you know whoever I was cooking for at the at the time, um, that was more important to me.
1: You um you have a YouTube channel, and you have been putting some stuff on there that's awesome. But you recently uh, posted a video that kind of was a talk through of your steps or your journey through the industry through the restaurant industry Um, and i felt like a large takeaway that i got from your video was that since starting cooking around 16 15 and then going through the steps of education learning mentorship putting in the hours putting in the commitment i felt like um what i really Took, uh, an interesting point that I took away from that was um, your discussion of of does it serve you and are you learning something? I'm curious, as you were kind of stepping through your learning and your experiences through the industry, what are some things that motivated you and helped and and kept you holding on to a commitment, whether it to be a, a new menu, a, a chef that you're learning under, or or something that you're creating for yourself. I'm curious to know, like, what um, kept that motivation together? What kept those aspirations together for yourself? The excitement that
2: I would feel or, like, just the happiness that I would feel about a product and a philosophy of someone else, you know. they were putting out and the things that they believed their thought processes about what they were doing really helped me stay motivated you know keep my eye on the prize (laughs) because that's what i wanted to be a part of you know i wanted to to be a part of something that had a heartbeat and was alive a place where also i felt valued you know and um i was able to take something from it so it wasn't just you know me spending a lot of my time for someone else you know it, it was also me investing in myself because i knew that i was going to be better because of this yeah um, as far as my goals
1: i feel like the moments that i have enjoyed my work hustling and bustling in the industry have been the times that I have value to what I'm doing in the establishment um which isn't intrinsic <laughs> which isn't you know what I mean always the case um and Not a level of com- right and a level of commitment and I and and learning because there have been places that I've stayed for too long waiting to be a bartender at a fancy cocktail restaurant without you know getting offered up to learn up and be a bartender. You know, they want to train you. They want to do this. They want to blah, blah, blah. And I'm there for that commitment, even in positions of leadership where I've been in management or event coordination, the times that I've felt most drained or, you know, unwilling to put in these long hours that we have, you know, 12, 14 hours packing up an event, breaking Mm -hmm. down an event, um, et cetera, have been the times that I felt like there, I didn't have value in that place my value was not reflected and, or I didn't have, um, I don't know, an investment in it. Right. To put your labor so forward in something that's so emotionally arduous. And then to feel like you're not having any ownership over what you're doing, or maybe, you know, you're not being heard. Like, yeah. (laughs) Terrible. Terrible.
2: Like, cause you have to give so much to even like get out, get out. A bed and get ready to go to do that.
0: I feel like a thing I wanna circle back to is this idea of asking yourself, does this serve me? Because I think we do have several conversations in the industry, maybe now more than, than prior about how do we value ourselves more and find value in our work and also put and put value like on our bodies and our autonomy and our choices. And so when it feels, um, either taken advantage of or not considered in like business decisions um this is something that personally i have gone through several times where i was i was willing to work these extra hours or i was very i was actually very direct about wanting to work the extra hours because in my mind that would then uh showcase how hard working i am or how invested that i am and then i thought this will then reflect to the owners or the investors and it'll mean more of this for me. And i it was never me understanding that the question to actually ask yourself is like, is this currently serving me? Or like, what will this takeaway be for me? I felt like I was always thinking about how is this serving them? And how do I kind of put them in the forefront? Which only made me feel sort of empty at the end of it. I sort of felt like when I left the place after however long of a time it was, I was like, oh, why do I still feel so like unfulfilled by that experience? And it's not always, but the times where it is that dissatisfaction or feeling unfulfilled it was because i didn't take enough time to ask myself um throughout the process like does this serve me is it either financially serving me or emotionally and physically serving me um and then you look back on it and sometimes you're just like oh that was not it didn't offer me what i thought it would spiritually you know
2: and i think it's important also to yeah really care about you know the people Whose vision this is, you know, um, to 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 consider them when you're doing things, also because it's their vision, and, um, right? You know, without that, then it's not really uh, a clear. It's not really a space, <laughs> you know. It's it's not really a concept. Um, but it's also important to have that that thought process for yourself, and I. I think that this isn't something that people talk about even, you know, so if you if this is something that you're doing all the time, and nobody's ever like, Oh, you should think about me. <laughs> um, how do you know that you should? So it's, it's conflict, it's complicated, you know, and trying to be as self aware as possible is something that I've always tried to do. Um, so I've always been you know, for the most part, a person that follows their heart when they make decisions. So when I make decisions, I'm always like, okay, this is going to be good for me. Um, But I do understand it makes a lot of sense. It's not not something that anybody really teaches you
1: to do. Um, From an outsider's perspective, looking in uh, someone in Chicago, someone that was, uh, you know, where of you when you uh, received your, you know, accolade. And I'm curious to know, in the change that you made, stepping away from that position and doing what you're doing now, do you at all feel like the momentum from your work in Chicago propelled you to the work that you're doing now? Or do you feel like, you know what I mean? Like there's also the perspective of like, oh, they're stepping away. Like, I feel like the next, you know what I mean? Like once they get the accolade, they should open up their own restaurant or do more things or do more menus and do more, you know what I mean? And of course, pandemic influencing. But do you feel like you leaned into that momentum? Curious to know with the visibility that the accolade um, allotted you and the coverage and stuff, do you feel like? That was an air of momentum that pushed you further into where you are now and what you're creating, or do you feel like you've taken a step away from that momentum because the traditional route might be okay, now they open up a re- their own restaurant, they do multiple yeah. things in a similar vein of work after receiving such an accolade?
2: It's definitely more
1: of the latter for me because I needed, I really needed to take a
2: break. You know, I remember just being like. In a place where I was just like, I really don't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> uh, so please, just don't really talk. Don't don't talk to me. I I don't know what to tell you. I don't have that to give right now. I don't. I didn't have the, the even the, the verbiage around you know what had what I did, <laughs> the things that I accomplished. I I I didn't. I was you know, reading back on like. Some interviews that i did or like the answers that i had it was just like very like that's cool <laughs> you know like i didn't i i wasn't really in a place yet to express all of that all all of the things that it was because i hadn't processed it it wasn't something that i had you know chewed up and swallowed and digested and everything Um, so I needed to like take a step back for real, for real and, 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 you know, acknowledge and celebrate the things that I had accomplished and, you know, doing this thing for the only thing I've done, (laughs) um, to actually see my future, to be able to see, um, what I was doing, what I wanted to do. What I cared about most to be able to be able to like clearly move forward, I needed to take some time for myself, and um, I feel like that is what helped me get to this this place that I'm in now. Just like you know, where I'm able to take up space and and feel good about taking up that space. Yeah, if that answers if that answers your question. Um,
0: what if we were like, no, that didn't answer, and try again. <laughs> no we don't <laughs> not, not what we wanted cool story bro. i, I just well, for, honestly i fucking love it i feel like we don't hear people just say like you know what i just i didn't know i could not i didn't have the capacity to give the response that you all wanted and you almost kind of knew what people wanted from you in that moment of like having this like glorious long answer and you're like i am just not able to give that to you right I now i have to work and that's just the team
2: <laughs> I have to go break down
1: this
0: uh, Wagyu, so I don't... (laughs) Right, I don't have time for this. You're talking about, though, like, you're in this place now, like, nobody got to see it on camera, but you feel like you're flowing and you have this, like, freedom. What, like, you seem also more at peace. Like, what is this place you are in now and what can people take away from this? Like, what should they expect from you coming up because of this place you're in now? Um,
2: I'm in a space where I'm, like, really super accepting of, who I am, you know, and my abilities, you know, what I'm capable of, and just like learning how to not take everything so seriously. Um, because when when you're in a, a space that's constantly like, uh, if when you're seeing things through perfectionist lens all the time, all you really see is flaws. And so everything around you is like something wrong with it, or you're like constantly looking for that, that thing that's wrong. You know, you're like waiting for something to go wrong so you can fix it.
1: That's 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 the kitchen. Um, That's the floor. That's the front of house. That's the back of house. I'm just waiting for something to happen so I can.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Period. That's what I have to do. You know, and so stepping away from that to be able to see that, like, things are beautiful without, without such a thick criticism, you know, Maria, everything's all right, girl. <laughs> you know, just learning to chill out. And um, I also had this, this kind of, it felt like a midlife crisis because I, I, people always ask, like, what? What's your favorite thing to cook? Or, like, what is your food? And so, you know, questions like that um, felt scary to answer because I wasn't able to answer them because, you know, you've worked for so many different people. You're an American. So you have such, I don't know, such a broad knowledge of so many different kinds of food. Um, how do you? How do you answer that question you know and so that's also something that i figured out that like i don't have to be it doesn't have to be a specific genre or specific you know cuisine it can just be delicious i'm i'm just excited to be in a place where i'm able to share i'm um, i want to share my story my experiences the things that i'm I'm able to do the knowledge that I have. And um, so yeah, I, I have a YouTube channel um, that I just want to create a, a safe space and a, a, a community of like minded people. And, you know, share love and food and recipes and just space with each other. Um, and so you can find me on YouTube uh my my channel is just my name maria russell and um also instagram maria russell will be doing some pop-ups maybe close to where you are i don't know <laughs>
1: <laughs> well if it's in honolulu i'll be there you know any excuse to fly. but bring it on over to chicago we need it and we miss yeah. you and we love to see it <laughs> yes beautiful yes, yes. Well, thank you, Maria, for joining us. Um, We're going to shift gears. Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: Each time we have these conversations, I become more and more grateful for our guests. I just feel like that's kind of like the meat of the discussion of what we're trying to accomplish here. And Maria is somebody who from afar I've always enjoyed just like the cooking and the style and quite honestly like the hairdo and the fashion also. And so it's fun to like just hear from her, these experiences that are so relatable, even if we're not working in the exact same positions. I keep coming back to this idea that like, this is such a relatable conversation, whether you are a server, a bartender, a director, an owner of a business, a chef, like the idea of burnout to me is consistent across the board. Um, And it's kind of just purely based off of working like within these capitalistic structures. So I think if we had more time and we allowed ourselves to have four hour episodes, which people are begging us to do, Um, I think that that's what I would want to talk more about, but I'm glad that we got the chance to talk about like that feeling post accolade or award, um, of just having to return to work the next day. It's not like it's all of a sudden glamorous. I think that's kind of what's sold to us is like these awards give you. A lot more opportunities but the opportunities are still work and laborious and um it kind of just never ends it's the cycle yeah
1: i think that's something that i really appreciated about talking with maria and kind of thinking a little bit more about what she said it's about when you are busting your booty and maybe now you've got some notoriety but you're still having to go to work and bust your booty and now also participate on a panel and now now also be eloquent, you know, in a publication trying to talk about your yeah. food and all of this when you still need to go back to your clock in job or your salary, you know, hospitality job and, and, and bust your ass. Um, so I really appreciated that part of this conversation. I think that, again, if we had more time or even had a different direction with this conversation, like, let's say that we were talking with a dishwasher or a, um, bar back or someone that does something a little bit, not a little bit, something that does some kind of different work, but is a little bit less recognized. So we're not necessarily having a conversation about notoriety. I think we'd be having a conversation and I'd want to have a conversation about, again, like, these business structures that if you you know are the dishwasher that's showing up at 4 o'clock, you have to work until 3.30 at the bar. You work five days a week. They usually don't have coverage for you. If you need coverage, it's like this whole big deal. I really don't like the shade thrown by managers when you need time off, especially when they're working maybe less arduous hours than you and they're going to throw some shade on you being like, I'm literally just so tired. I've worked four days this week until 3.30 in the morning and I need a nap. And it's like some kind of huge, terrible deal. So I would have liked to kind of expunge on that a little bit, but this has been really, really great. And I think especially having um, Maria, not only for her amazing work, but also in the conversation that she brought, I I really appreciate it. We love
0: it. We love it all. I think um, we keep finding out more and learning out loud more with each episode. So hopefully everybody listening kind of found something in there that also stuck out to them.
1: All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of Anthropological, real-life applications for very anthropological theories. My name is Kasira Hill.
0: <laughs> and I am David Moore.
1: And this has been an episode discussing burnout. Thank you so much for joining in, and we'll look forward to y'all joining us in the next episode. Boom.
0: Bye.